Welcome to Leadership Revealed, where John Paul shares his no-nonsense approach to all things leadership and scaling businesses. John interviews some of the most successful people in their industries to see what it takes to become a great leader. Be prepared for the truth about leadership and business. Please welcome your host, serial entrepreneur and top-selling author, John Paul. Hi everyone and welcome to another edition of Leadership Revealed. Now this podcast I'm going to be talking to you about how do you create a winning culture. Now there's a lot of hype, a lot of uh, talk in the industry and in other industries about winning cultures and how to be winners and winning mentality and all that sort of stuff. And it just seems to be very sort of topical if you like. Um, I've been a massive fan of of researching this, probably a lot to do with my sport and background for probably around about a decade now. It's some great podcasts, I've read some amazing books, autobiographies, theories, principles, etc, um, etc. Et and I've sort of come up with my own version of how we've created a winning culture in my businesses. Now that's not to say we can't improve and we can't be even more successful, but to grow from one branch 10, 11, 12 years ago to having 12 and more in the pipeline, 60-odd staff um, and doing what we do as well as my other business interests, we've adapted this winning culture mentality and tried to implement it in the businesses. So um, I must say that, again, this is my version of it. You might like it, you might not. It'd be great to get your feedback, see what you you feel and what you think, um, but we've tested it and tweaked it over the years to come up with um, what we feel is works for us. So the first thing that I'd like to say is that you definitely need the building blocks of your business, right? You need the foundations to build on to create that winning culture. Now, what do I mean by foundations? I mean things like you need a set of values, you need a mission or a vision statement, and I'm going to talk to you about the difference because there's a bit of a misconception. You need something called a customer service charter. I've also heard it being called a team ethos. You need those types of foundations, those little business building blocks in your organization to enable you to have a starting point, to be able to start from. So when you get new employees or you've got existing employees, you say, right gang, this is where we are now. This is where we need to take the business. So I've spoken about values before. I'm not going to spend too long on, on each of these, but just to give you a bit of a recap or, or you know, if you've not heard the podcast before, just to give you a bit more information. Values are exactly what they are. They're your values. The company can't have a set of values because it doesn't think, breathe, eat, sleep. So it has to come from you, the leader or the business owner. Now, you can get your team involved, you can get your staff involved, that's fine, that's absolutely fine, but you need a set of agreed values within the business. Now, ours are very simple. They are be better. Be a better you, give a better customer service, together we are better. We want to be able to be better for our customers, our clients, our team, and we can resonate and we can relate that to pretty much any sort of performance, be that a performance of a landlord or a, or a vendor or a client or our, our staff. Was that better to a, a staff member when they've done something or they haven't done something? So you can relate it back to pretty much every action or inaction in your business. Now we have one. I teach a lot of my coaching clients to have between one and five. Any more than five, I think they lose the meaning, they lose the value. I had one coaching client who had seven. I asked them about three months later what they were and he could only remember four. The fifth one we actually chucked out, but he put it back in there, and the other two he, he couldn't remember. So if you're going to have your values, you need to remember them, and you need to be able to live, breathe, eat, and sleep them in your organization. Because 
if you can't remember them, then how can you expect your staff to remember them either? So it's got to be fair. The second thing is your mission or your vision. So your mission is where you want to take the business. And that's very tactical. And we want to get, we are here. We want to get to there. We want to be the best agent in this area. Or we want to be the best sales company in this position or this area. Now, a vision is something what you, it's the big, it's the huge thing. You want to touch 100,000 people's hearts and you want to help a million people and you want to do it. It's the big vision. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I just prefer more of a mission statement and a mission in our business because it's more tangible. We know when we've got there. It's, it's a lot more achievable. It's probably a five to ten year plan. Any less than that, I think it's too short. Any more than ten years, it doesn't have that, that credibility because it's always going to seem and feel to be a little bit out of reach. So values, mission or vision, so mission for us. And the last thing on the and the foundations and the building blocks is the customer service charter. Now, this is crucial for us. So this is very much a set of customer service standards that we will adhere to at all times. Things like, you know, the obvious things like returning phone calls, always being polite on the phone, having a positive attitude, um, you know, never interrupting when people are talking, always repeating back what we're going to do, always doing it when we say we're going to do it to the standard we say we're going to do it. But the point is, it's a, it's a charter. It's something that all our teams sign up to. And if they follow it to the letter, and it's not difficult, we're not asking, it's not like a 100-piece document that we're asking them to comply with at all times. But if they follow it, then they will have delivered excellent, world-class customer service in our minds. Now, we've got no problem with that because if they've done it, then they can't do anything wrong. They won't have done anything wrong. So if we get a complaint or a frustration of a customer or client and they say, I don't think I've had the best customer service, and you listen to them, then you say, right, fantastic, I'm going to, I'm going to investigate it. We've already got that, that, that element of uh, stability. We understand documented what we have documented what customer service is. Now, if you go to most companies, and I said, what's customer service? And I asked every single person, I would get very, very different answers. But in our company, you would say, well, it's a customer service charter. Whatever the customer service charter says, we just follow the customer service charter. So our staff will follow that charter. And if they do what the charter says, then it doesn't matter what a current client or customer says we've, if we've had good customer service or not. If we follow the charter, we have delivered that customer service excellence. It is just a misalignment of expectations with the client. And that's fine. We can live with that. Just like if I went to a restaurant and I took three friends and I thought we had a good meal, one person thought it was okay, and two people didn't like it at all. It's just perception on it. So I'm not too worried that if one of our staff members follows that that customer service charter, and we still have a complaint, so long as we followed the charter and we followed everything that we said we should be doing in order to give that customer service excellence. Um, so Clive Woodward, the famous rugby coach, and then he went on to coach the uh, performance director of the 2012 Olympic team. He calls it teamship. And effectively, it is your customer service chart slash values all rolled into one. And he allows his teams to pick and choose it. So, for instance, he allowed the rugby team in the 2003 World Cup, the previous few years before that, 99-2000, when he first became the coach, he allowed the guys, the rugby lads, to pick the teamship rules. But they had to follow them. And because they followed, they picked them themselves, it wasn't enforced upon them by the bosses, by the leaders, they tended to stick to it. So, for an example, that spoke about time. 
apparently there's a few people late hearing that. So Martin Johnson, who was the then England captain, came back to him and said, right, we've come up with it, a, 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 a solution around time, a rule around time, 10 minutes early. We will be 10 minutes early for everything. And according to Clive Woodward, no one was ever late. And it was self-policed. You know, if somebody was late, Sir Clive didn't find out about it, but the, the lads, the team, sort of policed that between themselves. So that is his version of value slash customer service chart. Second thing I want to talk to you about is communication. You can't over communicate. I don't mean in terms of what you tell them, but I'm talking about in times of, in terms of the amount of times you communicate. The more you communicate and make feel people part of the decision making process and part of the business and part of the vision and the values and you really get them to buy into it, then that is going to create and strengthen that culture. When people feel out on a limb that they're not being spoken to or they're being forgotten about, that's when they don't feel part of a team. Just imagine or remember back to when you were at school or part of a sporting team, football, cricket, rugby, whatever it is, tiddlywinks, it doesn't make a difference. And you sat there and you're the new kid and nobody's talking to you. You don't feel part of that culture, you don't feel part of that team. All it takes is just somebody to put their arm around your shoulder and say, come on John, come on, I'll introduce you to the gang. Right, this is Fred, Bob, Sarah, whoever it is. That is part being part of and being engaged in a winning culture because you're communicating with them. Don't leave people out on a limb. I like to go around our offices. We've got a dozen of them. And even though I don't get involved in the operational day-to-day stuff, I still like going around and, and speaking to people. You know, popping in, seeing how they're doing. People underestimate how powerful and how important that can be. I might literally be there for 20 minutes, half an hour. I might sit down, how are you, how are you doing? Then, uh, you know, get on with my work, bring my laptop. But that makes a big difference to a lot of, uh, a lot of the gang, a lot of the team in our business. Now, that depends. If you ask them, you might get a different, a different answer. They might not want me coming round. Um, but I think it makes a difference. Um, you know, regular talks, regular meetings. And that's not meetings for meeting's sake or talks for talking's sake and you've got nothing to discuss. This is very short, sharp, concise meetings where you're getting straight to the point. There's no waffle, but you're getting your point across and you're getting the relevant information out of the people you need to. So it's not having meetings, communication's not about talking for talking's sake, it's just about having that regular open-ended communication where people can report back to you, people can speak to you, people can get their point across and they will feel part of that process and they feel, they'll feel more engaged in, in the business because when you ask for people's opinions it makes them feel wanted, it makes them feel as though that their opinion matters. There's a lot of business owners out there that, oh they don't know, my staff, my team, they don't know, it comes from me. And I think you need to be a bit more open-minded if that is what you do. And ask your team what they think, how they feel we should act, how they think we should work on this project or do we should work on that project. People may see it as a weakness. It's not. Asking for people's opinions is not a weakness. It's very, very important. We Every time we acquire a business, the first thing we go in and do is we go in and we ask them what they think of the business. Um, and I think it's really important because it gets the buy-in from the team and and from the staff. The third thing I want to talk about is, is leadership. <clears throat> you need to create leaders in your business, right? The more you are trying to become the only, the all-seeing, all-knowing eye leader um, is really, really negative and it won't have a great impact on the rest of the team. Create leaders within your business. This this corny, cheesy phrases that real leaders create leaders. 
They do to a, a certain extent, but people, there's a lot, the majority of people are just followers. They would never lead a business. They would never lead in certain situations. So don't, not everybody can, not everybody wants to be, not everybody has the ability to be a leader. <clears throat> Excuse me. But one thing you need to do is, is identify who in your business has that potential, has that, that raw ability to lead your team or lead a project or lead a department or lead a branch or indeed lead your entire business. I was very fortunate and lucky that when we acquired one business, my current MD came along with that. And I'm not gonna take any of the credit. She deserves 100% of the credit to get to where she's been today. But she was being held back by the previous owners. They didn't recognize her, they didn't see in her what I saw in her, which to me was incredibly obvious. So if you see somebody being a leader or acting like a leader, don't get jealous or get worried or think that they can take you over and kick you out the door and don't use that, harness that. You will get so much more buy-in and more loyalty from that person by giving them a chance. A real leader, a suppressed leader will go elsewhere. So if I hadn't given Adele the, the chance or the opportunity, she was going, right? I know that for a fact. So they're going to lead anyway. So your good people will not want to be held down, kept down. They will go anyway. So you might as well just give them a little bit of responsibility, a little bit of accountability, and ask them to flourish and grow your business with you as opposed to working for a competitor and taking business off you. You need to reward and recognize people fairly and equitably if you want to create a winning culture. It's not always just about chucking money at people. It can be just a pat on the back. It can be a... If you've got a newsletter, just saying well done to those those people. Um, so creating that, that winning culture all, is always down to reward and recognition. That's why there's so many sports trophies or winning leagues or, um, you know, you're gamifying it. You're gamifying the art of business. I think it's important that you do that because people like to know that they're doing a good job. It's great you telling them that they're doing a good job, but it's even better you telling them they're doing a good job and all their colleagues knowing that they're doing a good job. You know, the fact that we have sports days or we have, you know, academic awards, it goes on. Everybody likes being recognised and everybody likes knowing that they've done really well and better than, than the friends or, you know, schoolmates or whatever it is. So a fair reward and recognition system. Um, obviously, money, commission, bonus, however you want to phrase it, that's important to people because people need money to live. So you've got to have a fair rewarding recognition or reward system in that make sure that you don't just you're not you're not it's achievable uh, people can actually get to that sort of level of bonus because again you don't want to be setting it too hard just so that you know that they're not going to get it so that you're not going to have to pay out bonus if they've done the work pay them it reward people for it because if you don't the competitors will we have picked up quite a few staff over the years who've come to us because they've heard we we um, treat people fairly this year, even during the pandemic, we've decided to give everybody an extra day off. So everybody now gets their birthday off fully paid. Little things like that go a long way. The feedback has been immense. you know. And we've got a dozen more things that we're going to implement over the next couple of months, probably the rest of this year. But the point is, it's really important that um, you look at your team and you said, right, well, I can't pay them you know, the huge bonuses, the huge commissions, the huge wages that some of the larger corporates or maybe even some of my competitors are paying them. So what can I do to keep them, to motivate them and to make sure that they don't leave? Little things like days off for birthdays or 
you know, days off with your first kid's school day back at school or something like that. Those things go a long, long way. They really do. So have a think about what would, would uh, recognise, uh, reward your team, how you'd motivate them. Um, but please do something because, as, as I said before, if you don't, you're competitive as well. And the last thing is I think you need to create a roadmap for people. It, it's part of, and I was actually toying with this when I was, when I was um, writing for the podcast because I always write what I'm going to talk about. I was toying with the ideas, do I put this in with the values, the mission and the customer service chart? But I think every business needs a roadmap from a business aspect, like organisation, but also an individual point of view. And you need to know where you're taking the business. So again, this is right, well, we're here now. This is where we want to be next year, the year after, the year after. You can call it a budget, a marketing plan, a business plan, whatever you want. It is a roadmap from where you are now to where you want to get to and all those little steps you need to get to because that's what truly motivates people if you look at and again we've done a podcast in the past on what motivates people but Maslow's hierarchy of needs Maslow called it um, self-actualization being the best version of you um, Alderfer, Hertzberg, McClellan ambition attainment achievement achieving one's goals and you do that by having a roadmap written out in front of you so you can understand where you're going as a person and where the company is going as an organisation. Gel those two together and that's a massively winning combination. So we've got a roadmap. We're fairly recognising staff for when they achieve certain milestones along the roadmap and patting them on the back and saying, well done. And they get rewarded by days off or um, you know, company-wide recognition or bonuses or commissions. We're turning one or two of them into leaders or we're giving them more responsibility and accountability and they're stepping up to the plate. We're communicating with them all the time and they've bought into our values, our mission statement and we're all following the customer service charter. Now, it sounds very simple when I've just put it like that, those five or six points, but if you can get every single person in your organisation on the same level as, as that type of thinking, honestly, guys, you will have such a good culture in your business because then it becomes self-policing because as soon as somebody becomes negative right they haven't got the same values then the rest of the team who do share the same values should speak up or self-police that person and they'll either leave or they'll book up their ideas and again I completely understand that people have bad weeks a couple of bad weeks but anything after a couple of bad weeks it doesn't matter what's happening at home I'm a big believer in being yes I know it's you know there's a big thing about mental health etc but, you know, we've also got to be mentally tough. You know, having mental health is not an excuse to be weak-minded. Right? I get that some people are really, really affected by it and my heart goes out to them. But there's also a lot more people who are using it as an excuse. Um, and we've got to be honest and, and brutal and have those conversations. Those who are genuine, yet yeah, you can help and support them, doesn't mean you expect any lesser standard because that's not fair but you can take things off them in order so what the remaining work is that they can continue that to maintain that high standard. But those people, and we all know them, we're all probably you know 99% correct in most of the cases. Those people who say they've got issues or motivation issues or mental health issues and they really don't, those are the ones that will be self-policed and those are the ones that we need to manage out of the organisation. So I hope you enjoyed today's podcast on how to create a winning culture. I'd love your feedback. If you agree, disagree, if you think I've missed out any points, then depending on what platform this is you're hearing this on, whether it's podcast or the video or 
little snippets on on uh, social media. Pop some comments in the in the links below, and I'd uh, love to hear from you. See you next time on Leadership Revealed. Thank you.